Father, we just recognize that your presence, we acknowledge that you are in this place this morning. And Lord, just as you have expressed your love for us, just as you've expressed your care and compassion to us, Lord, today we open our ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord would say to us. Lord, we embrace your truth. Lord, we desire to hear your word. We long, Lord, to love you. And I thank you so much, God, that your grace is sufficient, that your mercies is made new every morning, and that your love is everlasting and everlasting. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Surely your presence is in this place. Amen. 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 Do you love him this morning? Praise the Lord. Come on, that's all right. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. What a joy it is to be in the presence of the Lord, to hear his word spoken to us. You might not be um, accustomed to hearing a word, a message in tongues this morning. We don't want you to be afraid. We just as the Lord spoke, we believe that the Word of God says Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? And just as He moved in those days, He's still moving today. The same Jesus who healed the blind heals the blind today. Amen? He still heals the sick. He still touches. And thank God He still saves. Amen? He's still in the deliverance business. And He loves each and every one of us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I want us to turn our attention this morning to a specific passage in the book of Hebrews. That's how we know that men make coffee, right? Hebrews. Oh, well. Some of y'all haven't had your cup this morning, have you? <laughs> Amen. Hebrews chapter 12 Verse 1 through 3 says, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance or weight that so easily, or sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Can we just say that together? Fixing our eyes on on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, for consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against him, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Father, thank you, Lord, that, Lord, you were willing for the joy set before you, we're willing to endure the cross, despising its shame, and now are sitting at the right hand of the Father. Lord, I pray that today that we would fix our eyes on you, that we'll make you the focal point of our life, of our everyday existence in this world, making you the center of everything, Lord. We love you and we honor you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 
you know, I look at this passage and I recognize that, that there's speculation on which disciple wrote the book of Hebrews. Some say Paul and some say another. I, I, I feel like that, uh, that they were running in the same circle for sure, right? Because of the athletic or Olympics that they were talking about at the beginning of this very chapter. Because when you think about Paul, I believe Paul was a sports fan, right? I mean, how many of you guys are sports fans in here? Some of y'all just told a story because you didn't raise your hand. Ain't like you ain't supposed to lie in church now. I mean, look, I mean, we got all kinds of fans up in here. We got LSU fans. Where's Dorothy at? We got LSU fans. We got uh, Alabama fans. We got Tennessee fans. We got Clemson fans. And I hope we ain't got no Gamecock fans. Oh, and I'm, got Missouri fans, right? I don't know about California fans, anybody over there? I guess we got a California fan, all right. All kinds of fans. That's all right. I mean, when you think of the Apostle Paul, he often used analogies that were formed around sports. And, of course, in those days, there wasn't football or basketball. I mean, if he was talking in the culture and context of our Americanized uh, society, he would probably talk about football. It's probably one of the largest sports in our nation. Uh, or he'd talk about bas- basketball. Or, or he might even talk about softball, you know. Uh, he might talk about uh, soccer. That's a growing sport in our nation. It's actually one of the largest sports in the world, you know. Uh, there's so many things that he might talk about. But in this context, he talks about an Olympic-style sport. And he likens Christianity to training or running in the Olympics. He says that they run in a race and everyone who, everyone who runs, uh, but only one receives a prize. So run with all that you have. In other words, run with everything you have to obtain the prize, right? In other words, put everything you've got into it. Have, how many have ever heard a coach says, leave it on the field, right? I was a uh, Dealing with some young people this past week, I'm, I'm an FCA coach for a local high school soccer team, and, and um, there was a few moments that got heated, and, and, and on the sidelines, these young people were getting hot-headed, you know, and said a few things that probably shouldn't have said, and they looked back at me and like, I'm sorry, coach. <laughs> and I said, listen, guys, if you will watch your attitude Show them the energy and the zeal and excitement and the frustration that you have by playing the best game that you can ever play on the field, right? And in that way, in that way with our Christian life, too many times we get discouraged and dispelled by all of the actions of the world and we get frustrated and it makes us angry to see what the world's doing. And Jesus is just saying, if you'll just keep your eyes on me, if you'll just live a life that is surrendered and follow me, I will show you a way. You will be victorious. You will overcome. You will, in Jesus' name, rise. Amen. Amen. Praise God. He speaks about our coming before the judge's seat to receive an award and and, uh, for how we ran our race. He spoke of wrestling competitions, come on, to to compete in the sports. He suggests that, uh, he he says that if you are to win, that you have to obey the rules. It's, It's not like the WWF these days, you know what I'm saying? 
where the, co where the refs don't seem to have a clue of what's going on in the, sc in the screen. You know what I'm saying? Some of y'all haven't watched wrestling in a long time. I haven't watched wrestling since the Four Horsemen and Dusty Rhodes and Ric Flair, the nature boy. Woo! Come on. That's, some of y'all just saw the redneck come out of my soul right there, didn't you? And y'all still love me. <laughs> you have to get to heaven. Anyway, um, he, spoke, he spoke of the discipline necessary to compete in the sports and suggesting that if they're willing to go through such discipline for a corruptible crown, how much more discipline should we be for the incorruptible crown that, that the Lord has laid up for those who will, uh, who will follow him, who will be faithful to him, who will obey him? Come on, somebody. Amen? He declared of himself that he had fought a good fight, that he had finished his race and was now looking to standing before the judge to receive a award, a crown of righteousness, which the Lord himself, the righteous judge, shall give to not only to him, but everyone who loves his appearing. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Can you just look to somebody beside you and say, God is good. Amen, amen. I looked at the other guy on the other side and say, God is good. Yeah, yeah, amen. Here in Hebrews chapter 12, the, the author similarly again brings us to the Olympics, or the Olympic arena, and he speaks of the marathon race, the necessity of laying aside every weight, every encumbrance, running with Everything, running with endurance or patience, uh, as one version says, the race that is set before you. I don't know about you, but I've got to keep running, amen? We've got to keep on keeping on. The necessity of laying it aside. Now, now I know that we are living in a more... Um, um, <laughs> in those days, to run in the Olympics, they would literally run without anything on because they didn't want to be encumbered by any clothing that would hinder their abilities to run with freedom and liberty. Now, we don't need to go there, y'all. You know what I'm saying? I'm glad y'all got some freedoms and liberties, but it doesn't go that far these days, okay? Amen. So, but yet, in the sense that we should lay aside every encumber, everything that will so easily beset or entangle or encumber us, how many times do we find ourselves frustrated with things of the world causing us road bumps and trip-ups that keep us from fully reaching our extended end, our expectation? We, we go all on the journey, and Paul even said it this way, what has hindered you? Come on, somebody. How many have ever had a hindrance in your life? Come on. Hurts, habits, and hang-ups. Come on. How many has ever had that? I mean... Thank God for CR. Thank God for Jesus who allows us to love each other and care for each other and work with each other, hold each other accountable, live with each other, journey with each other, understand that we don't all have it together. We're not made perfect. Even Paul said, not that I have walked in perfection yet. Come on, somebody. But I'm reaching. Come on. I'm looking for a city. I'm reaching for a mark. I'm looking for a, a high calling in Jesus Christ. I'm going to run my race. Amen. Amen. Ooh, I'm about to get ahead of myself. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. We have a race to run. If we are to win the race, 
We, don't, we not only need to lay aside every weight, but we also need to have a focus on the goal. Come on. We have to know where we're running to. If we're just running to be running, we're running aimlessly, right? I, I used to run the 880, right? 440, 880. And, and I remember, boy, I would start out as fast as I could. How many know that's a mistake, right? So y'all runners are giggling already, you know what I'm saying? And, and I'm looking, I'm, I'm, I'm talking, brother, I, Jim, I'm running so fast. I'm looking back like, I got this, woo, come on. And I'm running so hard, and I'm, I'm turning that last corner thinking, I got this. And all of a sudden, bam, this wind, this wall of wind hits, and I'm like, who's pushing me? Who's holding me back? It's like, you know, and then one passes me. And then another one passes me, right? Got to run to win the race, right? We got to know the course. We got to know the process. We got to know the plan. We, we have to learn how to run effectively and efficiently. Amen, amen. So we got to keep our eyes on the goal to win we have to focus on the goal. It's kind of like a friend of mine this past week in this room, a young gentleman named Aiden told me this week. Raise your hand, Aiden. This guy right here gave me an epiphany, right? And, and I was sitting there talking, and, he's, and we were sharing, and he said, you know, it's, he said in my photography class, we talked about focal points, right? How many have ever had photography class? Yeah, it's a real thing, right? Uh, a focal point. I mean, you know, we, we take pictures, and I tell you what, Mary does such a great job of, of capturing good moments of our church, and we sure appreciate her. She, she seems to catch the focal point, right? And, and what's crazy is, is, where's my phone? These days, man, you can, you can get your phone, and, and um, these things are high-tech cameras, these video things these days. I'm still trying to learn how to work mine. But, you know, I can, I can look at you. you mind if I look, take a picture of you? good because I'm going to take it anyway um, she said make sure it's good these days we got edit <laughs> I mean so you can like you can like take a picture I'm on y'all I love y'all so this one I won't put this up alright uh, maybe anyway so I can I mean look, it actually has squares around people's faces because it, it identifies a face and then I could just touch it and it focuses in on one person and blurs everybody else out isn't that crazy? Hell, that's just amazing, right? A phone. I remember when I got the flip phone. I remember when my daddy got the bag phone. How many of y'all know that talk? Thought he was cool. Bring that big brick out, you know, putting it in the middle of the seat and had the antenna hang up on the side of the car. Like, we were cool. I'm thinking, let's answer the phone. Daddy said, don't you answer that. That cost like a dollar, two dollars a minute. <laughs> But I believe that so many people, we have scenes of our life. We have our home scene, right? We have our work scene, our school scene. We have our family scene. We have our church scene. We have our outdoor activity scene. We have our sports scene. And, and, and we're, we see all these scenes, but what is the focal point of our scene? Oftentimes, Jesus is in the scene, but is he the focal point? Come on. 
oftentimes we, we, we can take a picture and we, we can say, Jesus, he's with me always. And we might have him in the scene somewhere, but we've touched the button and we've focused in on something. And Jesus has been blurred out on the backside somewhere. And we say, oh, we love Jesus. Jesus is in the scene. But he's the focal point of your photography. Is he the focal point of your scene? Look, we need Jesus to be the goal. And the only way he can be the goal if we make him the focal point of the scenery of our life. Amen? Amen. Amen. That's all right. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Paul said it this way in Philippians chapter 3, 14. He said, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Right? In other words, I'm pressing. Look, it, sometimes we think, well, that the goal is out there. But to understand that there's a pressing that has to happen, Right? There's something that's going to try to hinder us. There's something that's going to try to keep us from fulfilling the goal. And we've got to keep on pressing toward the mark. We've got to keep on pushing, right? We've got to keep on praying. We've got to keep on seeking. We've got to keep on searching for that which the Lord Jesus has in store for us. We can't just say, well, there's the goal. Somebody will get me there. No, I've got to exert some energy to press in, to get into a holy of holies, to find the place where Jesus can transform my life and empower me for his purpose and plan amen amen what was the goal i mean paul declares that i'm pressing toward the goal what is the goal well when you look uh, at the verses that preclude this right here and we see in verse 9 of philippians chapter 3 he says and may that i may be found in him wow what a powerful word that I might be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. Wow. What's he saying? He said, look, I don't want to be found in him with my own righteousness. I don't want to be found in God thinking that, that I'm all that in a bag of chips. Come on. I don't want to be thinking that I'm just the, the happy meal and I'm missing a few fries. I want to know that I am complete in Christ Jesus and he's the only way that can get me there. So it's not by my righteousness, but it's by his love. It's by his grace. It's by his righteousness that has been given to me, imputed to me. Amen. Somebody said, what in the world is imputed? Well, it's kind of like this. You know, you have your bank account, right? And this is a banker's term. It's kind of like having a bank account. And, and, and I don't know what's in your bank account, but I could use an extra dollar or two, right? You know what I'm saying? Right? Because I'm living on love. For, living on love. Firing on time. Oh, all right. So it's kind of like we need to have a injection into our bank account of life and he's saying that he imputes he invests he puts in to our bank account faith come on somebody aren't you glad that the lord has put some faith in you amen the bible says it this way he says he's given to every person a measure of faith right in other words every single one of you have had an injection into your account called faith and praise God we need to exert that faith to believe in him to know that he is the way the truth and the life amen amen not having 
our own righteousness, not trying to follow rules on our own ability, but truly surrender to him. Righteousness that comes by the deposit of God into our lives in Christ Jesus. Amen. So that we might be found in him. That's goal number one. But it's kind of like a threefold goal. Then he, he says in verse 10, he says that I might know him. Somebody say that I might know him. That I might know him. Wow. What a goal to know Christ Jesus. I'm not just talking about the stained glass, stained glass window Jesus. I'm not talking about just going to church and uh, singing a few songs and, you know, uh, Mr. Rogers' feel-good moments. I'm not talking about stained glass Jesus that we've read about him in the history books and we know that he existed somewhere along. I'm talking about knowing who he is as the king of glory, the king of kings, the righteous son of God who is from ever and ever and ever from beginning to the end. He is, I want to know him, amen, amen. And Paul said it this way in verse 10 of Philippians chapter 3, that I might know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to him in his death. Think about that. In the power of his resurrection, Romans chapter 1 and 4 says, who was declared the Son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead according to the spirit of holiness, Jesus Christ our Lord. Think about that. The power of resurrection. Jesus walked in the power of the resurrection because when he touched the blind, guess what? He was healed. Amen. What kind of power is this? This is the same power that, that the Lord himself spoke when he said, let there be light. And guess what? Light came forth. Let there be this. And it came forth. Come on. Just as the same power that saved your soul, that transformed you, that caused you to be born again into righteousness, a righteousness that is not of your own sake, but a righteousness from his sake. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus, that that kind of love exists. But also he said that I may uh, know you in the fellowship of your sufferings. In a few moments, we're going to partake in communion to remind us of the sufferings of Jesus Christ in order to keep our focus on what he did for us. Amen. Aren't you glad that Jesus was willing to suffer for you? He took your place. Amen. Death, hell, and the grave no longer have authority over you. You can speak to your mountain and it will be removed in Jesus' name. You can say to this or that, be thou gone in the name of Jesus and the authority and power of God because of the resurrection power living in you. It has to be done in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. That I might know him also in the likeness of his death. But you know, the third thing that, that he wanted to understand as the goal is this, to, to apprehend that by which he was apprehended. Verse 12 of Philippians chapter 3 says, not that I have already obtained or have already become perfect. How I many how I mean, know we haven't already become perfect yet? Just adjust your halo if you think you have. Come on. We haven't been perfected yet. Not, there's nobody. Look, and when you leave this place and you see somebody you know and say, well, I know what they look like on the outside. Don't walk out here and say, that church, church got a bunch of hypocrites. And look, I can tell you right now, starting with this one right here, there's nobody perfect here. Amen? We all trusting in Jesus. I mean, that's why people come to church, because we recognize that we need Jesus. Everybody needs Jesus. If we thought we was perfect, we wouldn't be here. Come on. 
It's those people out there that proclaim that there is no God, that think they're perfect, that they don't need anybody else. They're the ones who need Jesus. They're, amen? We all recognize we need Jesus. Come on. Amen. That's right, Nina. We all need Jesus. Not that I've already obtained it. I, I haven't fully grasped it. I haven't really grabbed a hold of it completely yet. Not that I've already been made perfect, but I'm pressing on so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. I want to attain to that which has already grabbed a hold of me. Come on. Amen. How many know that Jesus got a hold of my life and he won't let me go? Come on. No, some of y'all ain't old enough to know that song. How many know that song? Yeah. There's a bunch of birthdays going on like this week. If you have a birthday this week, raise your hand. Don't be afraid. One, two, three, four over here. Yeah. Five, six, seven. There's a bunch of them in here. So y'all, y'all getting, y'all getting old. <clears throat> y'all getting old. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, it's all right. The idea is this. Jesus got a hold of me. And whatever he got a hold of me with, I want to know more and more about it. Amen? Because he just took my life. Sammy, he took my life out of a miry pit. And he just shook off all the ugliness. Well, some of the ugliness. I mean, some things you can't get rid of, right? But he loved me so much that he transformed my life. And so for whatever he used to transform my life, I want to know it. I want to get a hold of it because it was powerful. It changed my life. I went from a drug addict. I went from an alcoholic. I went from somebody lost in sin to walking in righteousness, not of a righteousness of my own. But Jesus got a hold of my life, and he won't let me go. And I don't want to let go of him. I want more and more and more of him. I want to attain to what he has, amen, for me. Paul understood his purpose. He grabbed a hold of that purpose. He said, this is powerful. This is a purpose that God has, and he wanted more of it. Paul desired not only to know that purpose, but to fulfill that purpose. Come on, somebody. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. God has a purpose for every single one of us in this room. You have to believe that, right? We have to walk in that because if we don't believe that God has a purpose for us, then we lose sight of our existence of why we're here, amen? And you wonder why people are struggling with depression and doubt and fear because they don't understand their purpose. But when you grab a hold of the hand of God, you grab a hold of that which grabbed a hold of you and you say, Lord... I'm not letting go because you're not letting go of me. Nothing by any means shall harm me. Nothing shall separate me from the love of God because I'm holding on. Amen. 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 I better hurry up. Thank you, Jesus. Notice that every single aspect of his purpose centered around Jesus. Centered around Jesus. He wanted to be found in him. He wanted to know him. He wanted to follow his example. I mean, Paul even said it this way. He says, follow me as I follow Christ. He wanted people to understand that his center, his focal point 
was Jesus Christ. He said everything else is rubbish. Everything else is rubbish. But to know him, amen. I have to keep in mind, I have to keep focused. Jesus Christ is my Lord, and I have to keep him as the purpose of my life. Even when Peter was, was talking to Jesus, um, and, and, and Jesus was telling Peter how he would die, and Peter looked over at John and says, what about this one? How many know that there's too many people looking over at us, somebody else and said, what about this one, Lord? Right? We're looking at everybody else trying to figure out what about this one or what about that one. And Jesus, in, in, in some other words, basically says, that's none of your business. You keep your focus on me. Amen? Look, we're not here to live up to the standard of any other human being on this earth. Amen? Amen. If our standard is less than Jesus, then we've missed the mark already. Amen. Because Jesus is the, the focal point. He's the standard by which we live and breathe and have our very being. Amen. So we need to keep our eyes on Jesus. We need to keep our eyes on him. I think that many times Peter was always focusing on what about everybody else, but we need to keep our eyes on Jesus. When I look unto Jesus, what do I see? What's the focal point, Aiden? What am I zooming in on? What is the, you know, uh, I went through an inner healing process many years ago. And in that inner healing process, uh, dealing with some very hurtful times in my life, uh, the question was posed to me, where do you see Jesus in this scene? How do you, how do you think Jesus sees that person that hurt you? And when that understanding, that revelation came into my heart, I began to see that broken people do broken things. I began to see that, that people who are broken bleed on other people, right? And, and hurt people hurt people. And, and it, it gave me an empathy because I was able to see that Jesus looked at that person as broken and, and, and Jesus had empathy on them. Even in their broken state, Jesus loved them and wanted them to be saved just like he wanted me to be saved. Jesus hurt for my hurt. Jesus cared about the position that I was in and the harm that was done to me in those moments, but he wanted me to see that they were broken, and if they were not broken, they would not have hurt me the way they did. And I guarantee you that in your life that there's times and moments that you will hurt people, and I guarantee you if you were whole and healed and walking in the righteousness of God that you would not hurt people. Amen? And so I, I, what do I see when I look to Jesus? Well, I find that he's the one who is the alpha and the omega. He's the first and the last, the beginning and the end, the author and the finisher of my faith, the one who created the universe and holds it together, the one who always was, always is, and always will be. Amen? I see the one who is unmoved, unchanging, never defeated, and never outdone. Come on. He was bruised that I might be healed. He was pierced that I might ease my pain. He died to give me life. He fought the battle against darkness to bring me peace. The world can't understand him. The armies cannot defeat him. The schools can't explain him. The leaders can't ignore him. And Herod couldn't kill him. Pharisee could not confuse him. Nero could not crush him. Hitler could not silence him. The post-modernity world cannot replace him. And the Antichrist movement cannot explain him away. Amen. 
He is the light. He is love. He is the Lord. He is goodness. He is kindness. He is gentleness. He is God. He is holy, righteous, mighty, powerful, and pure. He is, he always, he is the way that is right. His word is true. He is unchanging. He thinks of me and he thinks of you. He is my redeemer. He is my savior. He is my God and he is my peace. Amen. Amen. He's my joy, my comfort, my hope. I serve him because I love him. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. He gives me life and, and that he gives me even more abundantly. He is, he's all powerful. He's all knowing. He's all loving. He's all caring. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He will never leave me nor forsake me, but he will walk with me on this journey all the days of my life until kingdom come. Amen. He will never forget me. He will never mislead me. When I fall, he picks me up. When I fail, he he forgives me. Come on, somebody. When I'm weak, he is strong. When I'm lost, he shows me the way. When I'm afraid, he stands beside me. When I am hurt, he heals me. When I am broken, he mends me. When I'm confused, he leads me. When I'm hungry, he feeds me. When I have problems, he solves them. We need to focus our attention. Do you know who he is? What do you see when you see him? What has he done for you? All the names that have been given to God, we recognize are moments of revelations of where he's revealed himself to someone in some form or fashion. And the same God who revealed himself then is revealing himself today. Whatever you have need of, he wants to fill it. He wants to heal it. He wants to bring deliverance. He wants to bring salvation. He is your all in all. Will you seek his face? Amen. Amen. Woo, thank you, Jesus. Y'all better get up here so I can close this because I'll be all day. Amen. Jesus declared him to be the author and finisher of our faith. Not only did he begin to work the work of redemption in me, but he, he wants to finish that work, right? We as young people in children's church years ago used to sing, He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. It took him just a week to make the moon and the stars, the sun and the earth and Jupiter and Mars. Oh, I love how patient he must be. He's still working on me. I saw a lot of y'all's mouths moving. Y'all remember that? Yeah. He didn't just start a work in us, but he wants to complete a work in us. He wants to finish the work that he started in us. Paul tells us in Romans chapter 12 that God that God has given each of us a measure of faith. I spoke about that a few moments ago. For by grace you are saved through faith in Ephesians 2 and 8. That not of yourself, a faith that is not of yourself, but is a gift of God. Even the faith that we exert to trust him is a gift of God. No wonder the disciples declared, Lord, increase our faith, right? Because they understand he's the author of that faith. Paul said to the the, the Thessalonica church, he said this, he says uh, that your faith grew exceedingly, the author and the finisher. He's not just the author and finisher of our faith, but he's the increaser of our faith. He's the ultimate finisher of our faith. Paul wrote this in Philippians chapter 1 and 6, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will be with you until the day of completion. Come on, somebody. 
Thank you, Jesus. David said it this way in Psalms 138, he says, the Lord will perfect that which concerns me. Thy mercy, O Lord, endures forever. Forsake not the works of your own hands. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. As I look unto Jesus, I see the example for my life that I could follow in his footsteps, that I can follow his path. Sometimes I think I've, I've had a bad day, right? How many think you had a bad day? Some of y'all still ain't being honest. We think we have a bad day. We get down and out. We struggle sometimes. But when you think in comparison of the days that Jesus experienced, even the Apostle Paul said, you've not suffered yet until being, being beaten or bled, bleeding, right? Wow. He was to experience shame. He experienced humiliation. He experienced pain of being despised and rejected and mocked and scourged or beaten. He experienced what it was like to hang on the cross, the ultimate, most humiliating, most excruciating death, the torturesome cross. Many of us view the cross as some symbol of hope, but Jesus himself despised the cross because he knew what it represented he knew the, that it would represent the sins of the world he knew that he would have to bear the sins of the world the Bible says that who for the joy set before him endured the cross it wasn't something that he just said Woo-hoo, I'm going to the cross today matter of fact I recall a prayer. He said, Lord, if it be thy will, let this cup pass from me. Because he knew what laid before him. He knew the pain and the suffering that he would face. He knew that the skin would literally be ripped off his back by the whips that they whipped him with. He knew that the, the piercing of the thorns that literally pierced his skull. Scientists say that, that his head probably sw- swelled to the size of a basketball because of the piercings of the crown of thorns that pierced his skull. He knew that he would have to face that, but he endured the cross. Wow. Despising the shame. Look, the enemy wants you to walk around in shame. The enemy wants you to walk around in guilt because if he can get you with a guilty feeling, he puts you down. If he can get you to walk around in shame, then you're afraid of proclaiming who you are. If he can get you to to start thinking of all the bad things you've done, then he, he thinks that he can manipulate you to shut you up to keep you from telling all the good things that you can do. But Jesus says it this way, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. I don't know about you, but what joy did he have? Can I tell you what joy he had? Your sins. that awesome your sins are forgiven to be able to look 
at a broken world. To be able to love somebody and look them and say, your sins are forgiven you. Think about this. There was four people who dragged a guy up on top of a roof and tore the roof off and let him down in the midst of the arena or the room where Jesus was, sit, was standing teaching. And Jesus could have said, get up and walk. But he looked at him, Pastor Jerry, and he said, your sins are forgiven you. There was a lady who was caught in the act of adultery and they drug her by her hair and threw her before him and said, what you gonna do about her? And Jesus said, your sins are forgiven you. Go and sin no more. Come on. Jesus went in Luke chapter seven, he was sitting in the house of Simon the Bible speaks of a lady who comes in and, and she begins weeping and washing Jesus' feet with her hair, kissing his feet, pouring expensive nard, perfume on her on him. The disciples are furious. The people in the room are thinking, if you were God, you would know what kind of woman this was. Jesus looked at him and says, look, I came into your home, you believing that I'm the son of God and you've not even washed my feet. I've come into your house and you haven't anointed my head. You haven't greeted me. He said, but this woman, in all of her sin, in all of her history, in all that you know about her has not ceased to wash my feet, has not ceased to kiss my feet, has not ceased to anoint my head with oil. He said her sins are forgiven her. What's the joy set before us? Jesus loves you so much that he wants you to know that no matter how deep and into sin, no matter how wide you've been in the depths of darkness, he says, I love you. I called you for a greater purpose. I can pull you out of darkness and bring you into my light. I can take you out of the miry clay. I can set you on established rock that you will not be shaken. Your foot will not slip. Your hands will not get tired. You can walk and not get weary. You can run and not faint. You can know that I am your Lord and your God. That is what he died for. That's the grace that he has for every single one of us. We don't have to continue living with the burden and heaviness of religiosity. We don't have to continue with the burden of living under the persecution. But we can know that we are victorious in Christ Jesus. And that no matter what the world speaks and no matter what the enemy tries to declare over us, that we can cast down every thought and imagination that exalts itself above the knowledge of God. We can declare that we are a child of the King of kings and Lord of lords. We, de we can declare that we are the righteousness of God. 
We, de- we can declare that we are his children. We've been bought with a price. We are the sons and daughters of God. That scripture that we read from the very beginning in Hebrews chapter 12. It says that he's sitting at the right hand of the Father. Where's he at? Think about this. Because Jesus Christ was willing to endure the cross, despising its shame, looking at you saying it was because of you, because the joy set before me, because I love you, is now sitting on his throne, not forgotten about you, but now interceding for you. That's what we have. That's what promise we can know that he's fulfilling for us. That he looks at you not with eyes of condemnation because Jesus said it this way in John 3 and 17. I did not come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through me might be saved. It's not, look, there's too many people out there trying to interpret the word of God who's never read the word of God. They're trying to manipulate the word of God to say things that it's not saying nor has never said. Jesus hasn't come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He's looking for a people who will say, Lord, I need you because you're the only way. I've tried it all. I've tested everything else. I've recognized that everything else has led me to condemnation. Everything else has led me to depravity, emptiness, but you, O Lord, bring fulfillment. You, O Lord, bring life. You bring hope. You transform the trajectory of my life. I'm no longer walking down the path of sickness and death, and now I'm walking in the righteous with determination and peace of mind. This morning, I don't know where he is in your scene. I don't know what you're looking at. Look, I'm not saying that he's not somewhere in your picture. I'm not saying that he's not in the frame. I don't believe you're here because he's not in your frame. You're here, I mean, look, if he wasn't in your frame, you wouldn't be here this morning. I'm not saying that. I'm asking you this, is he the focal point of your picture? Have you placed him at the center of that picture? Can you go to the ball game? Look, I got two kids going to ball games separate ways, right? I feel like I'm the taxi driver these days. You know what I'm saying? I'm the cheerleader, the taxi driver. I'm all of that. So when I'm saying this, I'm not saying this to point a finger at you because there's some fingers pointing back. I'm asking you this. Is he the center of your life? Is he the focal point? And if he's not the focal point, today is the day to get that right. Today is the day to to refocus the lenses, right? Today is the day to put the old spectacles on. Dear Lord, I can't see that way. It's to say, Lord, I don't want you to be blurry in the background. 
Lord, I don't want you to be off to the side. Lord, I want you right in the middle. I want to know that I know that in every step of my journey, I'm glorifying you. I want to know that I know that every walk, every step that I take, and my Bible says it this way, the steps of a righteous man are ordered of God. I want to know that I'm walking in the steps. Gavin, I want to know that I'm walking the steps that God has ordered for me. Amen. I want to know that I'm being sensitive enough that whether I'm at the ball game, whether I'm at Walmart or Target or wherever I'm shopping, that if the Lord says, move, speak, do, that I'm able to do it. That I'm willing to say, Lord, your priority takes precedent over everything else. Because I'm here. He didn't tell me to stop journeying. In other words, I've got kids to raise. I've got a journey to do. I've got a job to do. I mean, look, he didn't say stop. He just says, am I the Lord of your life? That whether you're working at Denso, whether you're working wherever you're at, AT&T or contract labor or whatever you're doing. Am I glorified in you in that place? That's what I want to see. I don't know about you, but that's my desire. Is that your desire this morning? Would you say, Pastor, that is my desire. That wherever I'm at, whatever I'm doing, that you be glorified. Well, this morning, we're going to partake as the ushers come. We're going to partake in communion. And I want us to take this opportunity to refocus, to remember what Jesus did for us, to allow us 